We are still continuing on the uh, series on Nehemiah. I will cover chapter 6 today, and I have entitled my message, Steady, Staying the Course, Finished What You Started. Shall we begin with a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, I give thanks for this privilege, even to share your word, Lord. I just pray, Lord, you help me to communicate your word clearly and succinctly, not only to the audience uh, in this sanctuary, but all those that are listening online as well, Lord. Father, prepare their hearts, Lord, and help my, that they will be able to receive your word, Lord, and that their spirit will be lifted up, Lord, because your word will energize them, Lord, and encourage them and inspire them to walk in the fullness of all that you have for them, Lord. And thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One of the most iconic races uh, in the history of modern athletics is what has been built the race of the sanctuary. On May 6th of 1954, Roger Bannister of England became the first man to run the mile in under four minutes, which was thought humanly impossible at that point in time. Six weeks later, John Landy of Australia broke that record and shaved a further 1.4 seconds off. The two men came head to head later, uh, a month later in what is the Empire Games, or what is now uh, known as the Commonwealth Games, on August 7. John Landy is known for his blistering pace throughout the race. Roger Bannister for his explosive finish in the last 200 meters. Who would win? The world waited in anticipation with 100 million pairs of ears glued to the radio, listening to the live broadcast. From the starter's gun, John Landy was off on a very quick pace, and by the halfway mark, he was a good 10 meters ahead. And as he took the bell for the final lap, he looked behind and saw that Roger Bannister was still 8 meters away. And as he rounded the, the curve and into the final stretch, he looked again. And this time, Roger Bannister was still five meters away. And as he neared the finish line, he was confident that he has won. But he was curious where Roger Bannister was. And so he turned for the final time. And as he did so, captured exactly that at that moment on this photo. Roger Bannister took him from the right and won the race. At the press conference later, this is what John Landy said. If I have kept my eyes on the finish line and not look back, I would have won. This loss traumatized John Landy. Though he holds the world record, he never again won another race. And two years later, he retired after the Melbourne Olympics. Because this race was such an iconic race, the Canadian authorities want, wanted to immortalize the moment of victory with a statue. 
And at the unveiling of the statue, 10 years later, John Landy, still with regret in his voice, have this to say. Well, Lord's wife was turned into a pillar of salt for looking back. I am the only one ever turned into bronze for looking back. Yeah, don't look back. Keep your eyes on the finish line. And so I want to uh, bring our message this morning to you uh, in entitling it, Staying the Course, Keeping Your Eyes on the Finish Line and Finishing What You Started. Come to me to chapter 6 of Nehemiah as we take a lesson from Nehemiah as to how to do that. Yeah, if you could just open to your Bibles, I have not put it up, so we will read from our Bibles. Chapter 6, verse 1. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Gisham, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I have not set the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Gersham sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and cannot come down. Why should the work stop while well, I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, Sanballat sent, me, sent his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, It is reported among the nations, and Gisham, and Gisham say it's true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now, this report will get back to the king. So come, let us confer uh, uh, together. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands would get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. One day, I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of Mehitabel, who was shut in at his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God, inside the temple, and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they are coming to kill you. But I say, should a man like me run away or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat uh, had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would 
commit a sin by doing this, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, O oh my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophetess Noida and the rest of the prophets who have been trying to intimidate me. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elu in 52 days when all our enemies heard about this. All the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of the Lord. I think we can all agree that it's easier to start something than to finish it. It is easier to uh, begin a project than to complete it. It is easier for us to fill our schedule than to fulfill our schedule. It is easier to make a commitment than for us to see it through. Why? Because of obstacles and uh, opposition. Throughout the rebuilding of the Jerusalem wall, Nehemiah faced opposition. In chapter 4, we learn how and why opposition developed. The form that it takes and the consequences that it brought that greatly discouraged the builders. In chapter 5, we see opposition of a different kind. Those from within, from his very own people, how the social structure of the day favored the rich and the powerful that perpetuated injustices onto the poor because of the former's greed and selfishness. Even at the very tail end of the project in chapter 6, Nehemiah faced opposition. Opposition is a given. So long as you choose to obey God in your life, in your work, in your career, in your business, in your family, in your finances, there will be opposition. But let's take a lesson from Nehemiah and let's see how he overcame this opposition. And I want to cover this message in four areas. Firstly, it is the methods employed by the enemies. Then, the mindset of Nehemiah that will help him overcome, the mission that energized and invigorated him, and the mantle that he carried in the light of his great achievement. The wall was completed. Only the doors left to be installed. But Nehemiah knew that unless the doll is finished, the people in Jerusalem is still not saved. But the enemy also knew that their window of opportunity is closing and they need to act fast. Having been outmaneuvered and outwitted by Nehemiah earlier, they now switch tactics to begin to attack him personally. How? 
They seek to distract, to defame, and to deceive. The first tactics they employ was to distract Nehemiah from the work that they are doing. Invite him to come for a meeting on the plains of Ono. But Nehemiah perceived that that was an entrapment and so said no. But the enemy was persistent. If the first time you don't succeed, they try and they try again. Four times, in effect, they keep pressing for this meeting. But if you look at the map of Judah, Ono is a good 37 miles away. So given the transport of those days, it would be very time-consuming for Nehemiah to get there, have the meeting, and come back. Incidentally, the word Ono in Hebrew means vigor, means power, and wealth. And so where is it? On the plains. Plains means easy going. It's not a mountain. That means we, are, we will be easily distracted by power, by wealth. All of us live in a distraction-filled world. So what is it that distracts you? Is it power? Is it wealth? Is it social media? Maybe K-drama? Uh, or is it the, the debts and the mortgages that you have to pay, the rigmaroles of our everyday life. What is it that distracts you? Distraction takes our attention away from what is important to something that is less important. It is an invitation to spend time away from God's purpose for your life. It is to draw you away from God's best for your life. The second opposition that Nehemiah faced was defamation. Having failed four times to distract Nehemiah, they now sought to defame him. In their fifth message to Nehemiah, they included an unsealed letter. An unsealed letter is an open letter. Yeah? An open letter is meant for public consumption. It is intended that the contents is made known to all. We see the same tactics used today. One politician will write to another, but instead of sending the letter directly to the addressee, they send it to the editor of the newspaper. But what is in the letter? Three things. Gossip, lies, and slander. Our enemies were used, gossip, lies, and slander to defame us. In this instance, there was also rumors and accusation of treason and rebellion. And so, when faced with this opposition, when we are faced with uh, this sort of opposition, all of us will react, firstly, by defending ourselves, countering the accusation, and maybe giving as good as we get. But deception or defamation is designed to put us on the defensive and to draw 
or to divert our attention from the work that is before us. And thirdly, the opposition that he faced was actually deception. To deceive Nehemiah into violating God's laws, to deceive Nehemiah that there was somebody else that is about to kill him, so to get him to run away from the work and go hide in the temple. Nehemiah may be governor, a lay person, but he's not allowed in the temple. And under Levitical laws, only the priests and the Levites are allowed into the temple. So the enemy uh, co-opted his fear or wanted to co-opt his fear and paralyze him in his action by getting him to hide uh, in the temple. Our fears often stopped us from doing God's work. Fear of what other people will say. Fear of failure. Fear of rejection. Fears truncates our work for our work, for our Lord. And so the opposition that Nehemiah faced was personal, it was persistent, it was poisonous, and it was powerful. But how did Nehemiah overcome all of this? Three things. His mindset, missions, and mental. Nehemiah set his mind on God. Everything that he did, he submitted it to God in the first instance and not as a last resort. Many of us who undertake a project, we pray to God to bless it, but it is our project, our agenda. Only when things go wrong do we turn to God in prayer. Not so Nehemiah. Everything he undertook, he first undergirded in prayer. Every challenge that he faced, he first submitted it to God. He set his mind on God and the things of God. Let's look at the challenges that Nehemiah faced and his response throughout the first six chapters. The first one, when he was burdened, by the news that was coming out of Jerusalem, what did he do? He wept, he moaned, he fasted, he prayed to God. The first is that when he was before King Artaxerxes and was asked, why are you looking so sad when you are not sick? He shot a prayer to God and then seized the opportunity uh, to seek permission to return to Jerusalem. While rebuilding the wall, there was mockery and ridicule on him. He did not respond to men, but he responded to God. He said, Lord, hear our prayer. Hear us, O Lord. Turn their insults back onto their heads. And when he was put in physical harm, bodily harm, what did he do? But he prayed 
to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet that threat. So he not only prayed, he reorganized his, his methods. He battled and he built. And then when he was uh, faced opposition internally from within, and he needed the cooperation and the generous, generosity uh, of the elders uh, and the rich. What did he say? He turned to God. He said, remember me with favor, my God, for what I have done to the people. So that they were then, the rich and powerful were then respond. And finally, in chapter 6 itself, when he was accused of rebellion and treason for the uh, the intent was to frighten him so that he would not continue his work. He turned to God, but I prayed, now, O God, strengthen my hands so that I can continue with the work. Because Nehemiah set his mind on God, he was able to overcome distraction by focusing on the work that is before him. He was able to overcome defamation by surrendering the accuser and the accusation to God. He was able to overcome deception by his knowledge of God's Word and the Holy Spirit leading of discernment of the enemy's plans. And so as he set his mind on God, so too must we. Let us now uh, embrace this wisdom given to us by the wisest man that ever lived. Set our mind on God and trust God for the outcome. Shall we read all of this together? One, two, three. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your path straight. Nehemiah not only set his mind on God, he was mission-driven. He was unwavering in his pursuit of completing the wall. He was determined that nothing would stand in his way. No scheme of the enemy would stop him from completing the wall. That was his priority. And he kept that priority the main thing. He kept the main thing, the main thing. And the, as the enemy sought to distract him, he told them this, I am doing a great work and cannot come down. But what is a great work? A great work is not about you and I. It is about God, His plan, and His purpose for your glory for His glory. Everything that we do that brings glory to God, that is a great work. Whether you are raising a child, whether you are building an ethical business, whether, uh, whether you are making sure uh, being a competent worker, whether you are helping the poor, whether you are winning souls for the kingdom, everything that you do that is in alignment with God's will for your life and that brings Him glory. That is a great work. And that's why Apostle Paul 
keeps reminding us of this, yeah? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. The events in the Old Testament is usually a precursor. It's a forerunner, a picture of what is to come in the New Testament. When Nehemiah was accused of rebellion and treason, he did not defend himself. He spoke the truth and trusted God. When Jesus was accused of blasphemy and rebellion, he did not defend himself. He spoke the truth and trusted God. When the enemies called Nehemiah down from the wall for a meeting, Nehemiah chose to stay up on the wall, do God's will, and finish the work. When Jesus was called to come down from the cross to prove his deity, he chose to stay up on the cross to do God's will and to finish the work. Nehemiah can declare the wall is finished. Jesus too has declared that his work is finished. Walls in the Old Testament speaks of salvation, yeah? And I'm going to show you just two examples. From Isaiah, no longer will violence be heard in your land, nor ruined or destruction within your borders, but you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. In Ezekiel, I searched for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land, so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. Walls speaks of salvation. To rebuild the wall is to rebuild salvation for the people. No longer by the blood of bulls and rams, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. Is the work finished? And so, as Apostle Liu reminds us in Acts chapter 4, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must all be saved. Only in the name and by the blood of Jesus are we saved. That is Jesus' greatest work on the cross. And that is the message of our gospel, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, emptied himself, made himself nothing, came down to earth in human likeness, humbled himself, take on the role of a servant, and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. And because of what he did, we can now have eternal life. And not just eternal life, 
but life abundantly as well. Life on this earth to live abundantly as well. And Jesus himself reminded us, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart that he has overcome the world. Who is it that overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God overcomes the world. So you too can overcome every of the challenges. And Nehemiah showed us how to do it today. Thirdly, there was the mantle. So the wall was completed on 25th of Elul in 52 days. Undoubtedly, the completion of this wall was a miracle. 12 miles long, 12 meters high, 2.5 meters thick, completed within 52 days and rebuilt 200 years even before the commencement of the other iconic wall, the Great Wall of China. A rough comparison showed that the Jerusalem Wall was built almost three times faster than the Great Wall of China. But the recording of this completion was almost anticlimactic. You know, the Nehemiah, or in Jewish tradition, they say Nehemiah was the author of this book, and he records no commendation for himself, no celebration for him, no ribbon-cutting ceremony. What was recorded was this. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and disheartened, for they realized this task has been accomplished by our God. Before the completion of the wall, the people of Jerusalem lived in fear and intimidation. After the completion of the wall, the enemies now live in fear and disheartened. And it was the enemies, Nehemiah record, it was the enemies that did not give him credit because they knew and they knew that it was not him that completed it, that it was God himself that completed it. So everything that we do must point to our God. Everything that we do must bring glory to God. That's what Apostle Paul teaches us. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And therefore, I came up with this mantle, or this saying, a man's mantle is our responsibility, is to magnify the master. That through our fruits, our God will be glorified. Okay, let me now summarize. In this world, we will have troubles. There will be opposition. But when opposition arises, the lesson from Nehemiah was set your mind on God 
on the things above. Stay the course and finish what God has you started. And that in our victory, let us give glory to God. And if you don't remember anything at all throughout this morning, can you just remember these three things? Our hope is in God. Our help is from God. And our hallelujah must be to our God. Let me now also conclude with a story. Derek Redmond from England was a very bright gold medal prospect for England in the Barcelona Olympics in the 400 meters. He has trained years for this one run. And during the quarterfinals, he has ran the fastest time. And so as he stepped into his starting block, he was confident. He powered down uh, the 300 meters, uh, powered down the curve, and as he hit for the home stretch, he pulled a hamstring and collapsed to the ground in pain and in agony. He struggled to get up because he wanted to finish the race. His father who was watching from the grandstand, got up, ran down the stairs, climbed the separation fence, jumped onto the track, and before anyone could stop him, ran to his son, lifted him up, and began to help him to the finish line. The whole stadium was stunned for a moment, but soon they all arose and began to cheer them on. Go, go, go. And as they crossed the finish line, the whole stadium erupted in applause, in applause, clapping and cheers. Many of us in our own race may have fallen. You may be in pain, hurting, in agony, not knowing what to do. But take heart in this. Abba Father in heaven also sees. He will come down, lift you up, and help you across the finish line. And all that He asks of us, as is our lesson this morning, set your eyes, set your mind on God. Stay the course in the work that you have started for Him. And remember to give Him the hallelujah as you do so. Let me just pray for everyone before we close. And for those of you who, who, who need prayer, whether online or here, could you just connect to the link that we have given you? There will be counselors and pastors who will attend uh, uh, to you, to counsel you, and to pray with you. Abba Father, we thank you that it is your eyes that run through and forth throughout this earth to show yourself strong 
on behalf of everyone, Lord, whose heart are committed to you. Thank you, Lord, that you will never leave us nor forsake us, Lord, that in our every challenge, in our every situation, Lord, we learn today that we will set our mind on you, Lord. We will set our mind on things above and we will stay the course, Lord, to finish the work that you have given us, Lord, and that, Lord, in our victory that will definitely come, we will raise our hallelujah to you and to you alone, Lord. Thank you, Abba Father. And now as you separate us, I speak and release your ironic blessing upon each and everyone here and everyone else listening online, Lord. That, Lord, you will bless us with the fullness of the blessings of Deuteronomy 28, Lord. That you will bless us in the country, you will bless us in the city. You will bless our coming in, you will bless our going out. You will bless the work of our hands, you will bless the fruit of our womb, Lord. You will bless us by meeting our every need according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That you will also keep us. You will keep us from COVID-19, from every sickness, from every disease. You keep us strong and healthy, Lord. Thank you that you will make your face shine on all of us, Lord. And bless us. And Lord, you will turn your countenance towards us and grant us your shalom peace, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.